our palates for physical food changes. And we begin to be able to digest things we couldn't digest before and enjoy more of this world than we could before. Likewise in faith, we are to grow. And our growing changes what we can digest, what we can receive, how we think and how we act and how we live. Our growing changes everything. Yet for many of us, we're really content. I have Sunday morning, that's good enough. I do my due diligence, I show up once in a while and I serve, that's good enough. Imagine if I said to my wife, I love you so much, I'm gonna give you an undivided two minutes of attention a day. The rest of the day, don't talk to me. I'll do my thing, you do your thing, but for two minutes, I'm all yours, let's go. How strong would our relationship be? I want it. But for many of us, that's how we treat God. I gave you an hour on Sunday, what more do you want from me? Hi, this is Chris from The Point a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome, and I'm glad you're here. My name is Adam, and I have the privilege of being the pastor here at The Point. I'm not the only pastor this church has had, as you saw in that video. Pastor Matt started this church, and he certainly did not start it on his own. Uh, Several of you were there in the beginning or came along pretty quickly afterwards, and you walked through all the various seasons of life together. Seasons where we met in a movie theater and then got this wild and crazy idea. What if we opened a storefront in the mall? Like a place where people, when they're shopping, can just relax. And for every guy out there, they said amen, right? Because you don't want to go shopping with your wife, but you have to, because somebody has to carry the bags. So you're like, free coffee, this is for me. And here in this church, we've had not only the season in the mall and that space, the storefront that we had available, we moved to the downtown west because the mall was getting recliners and they were afraid you'd all fall asleep. And we moved and we made it work in a new space, doing the same thing, loving people and connecting the disconnected. We as a church have one singular focus, and this is what I want us to talk about today. Matt mentioned it in that that video, that our mission as a church from the beginning, before the very first service, the very first gathering, was all about connecting the disconnected. What does that mean? See, the truth is we live in a world that is pretty familiar with Christianity. We live here in the South in Knoxville in a world that's pretty comfortable saying they know of Jesus or they certainly know about what they're supposed to be doing or how they're supposed to be living from what they've been told. But unfortunately, we live in a city that in spite of having over 700 congregations just like this one, 
there's 300 plus thousand people who identify as having no church family whatsoever? How do we have so many churches and yet people who are disconnected from the body of Christ? Some of them are disconnected by choice because the church they used to go to believes or says or does things they didn't like or because it was just too busy they'd rather sleep in or some are disconnected because it just wasn't for them. But others have been disconnected by the actions of those around them. The church that told them they weren't good enough for God The church that told them they were loved as long as they conformed to a certain way of thinking and acting. The church that told them to live a certain way but then turned and acted the other way. For many, the church has actually been the source of disconnecting. We try and we try, we want to be involved, we want to grow, we want to experience Jesus when we gather And all we see is the sinfulness and the brokenness and the hurt and the pain. And sometimes they actually cause that to us. For more than 10 years, we as a congregation have been focused on doing whatever it takes for the sake of connecting the disconnected. How do we go not just in our space on Sunday morning, but from our gathering? How do we go into the community to love and serve and connect people who've been told they don't belong? I've had the privilege now for just over three years of being a part of this mission. I've known Pastor Matt for right at about five years because shortly after I went to seminary, Pastor Matt came to visit to tell all the seminarians about these crazy ways that they could connect the disconnected. Like going and having church in a bar or showing up at Wingfest and making hundreds of pounds of wings. If you've never had the joy of doing that, let me tell you, joy is maybe not the right word. Like, you won't want to eat chicken wings for months, and sure enough, you'll find yourself a couple weeks later probably having some. But we, as a congregation, long before I ever got here, were intentionally looking for where are people, and where are people that have been told they don't belong? And let's go not to our building, not to our space, not to our programs and our events, let's just go to them and tell them that they're loved. Many of you here this morning are joining us online are a direct result of that. Because the church went out of the seats and into the streets and was part of the community and serving and loving and making a difference, many of you got connected. But our job's not finished yet. There's still a lot more to do. And one of the challenges of being a pastor, I don't care if you're here in this congregation or anywhere, is there's a set of expectations people have upon their church. Things that they want their church to be about or to be like. We want our church to be the the one that grows the fastest, right? Because that means we're connecting the most people. And so we focus all this energy on getting more people to come in, more people to be a part, more people, more, more, more. And you're never really content with this sense of peace. Look who God has brought. Sometimes in good desire and good ambition, pastors are told they just need to do more Bible studies or children's programs or or this or that, and all of a sudden, unintentionally, the church spends very little energy connecting new people and all of their time just building up one another. And at the expense of connecting new people, they say, well, we're just focusing on discipling the ones we have here. 
And then one thing after the next, the church begins to spend all of its budget here and begins to spend all of its budget on programs and things that are really good, but they forget about those who aren't yet a part of this community. I have to tell you, it's really tempting and easy, even for me, in this place where you guys have so faithfully reminded me, it's always about those who are not connected. It's really tempting and easy to focus on us. Before the point decided you guys wanted me as your pastor, there was a team of five of you who came to the seminary to interview my wife and I. And let me tell you, um, that team was really excited, and they were really exciting. And they were really excited because they knew that one of the candidates that they were interviewing was going to be their next pastor, and they couldn't wait. But they were really exciting because they just kept talking and talking and talking. Like, they had more and more and more things they wanted to say about you guys, the people of the point, and the things you're doing, and just how cool it was. I ended up missing class because they just kept talking, and I was like, well, I'm not going to stop the interview, I guess. Like, am I supposed to be interviewing you? Are you interviewing me? How's this work here? But they just had so many things they couldn't wait to share. Let me tell you about these people. See, we as the point are not this building. We're not even the movie theater we used to be in. We as a church are not about bar church and about brew fest and wing fest and all of the things we did. No, we as a church have been and always will be about the people we're trying to reach. And this team, they interviewed me and I missed class and I was like, wow, I don't know if I can keep up with that church. And then the night came where the seminary announced where we were going and Laura and I kind of sat on the edge of our seats. We told the seminary we wanted to go to California or Colorado. And we're like, where are we going? Where are we going? Knoxville, Tennessee. (laughs) Okay. And we were super excited because while we knew very little about Knoxville and even less about the South, and it was definitely a shock, we knew about you guys, a people committed to connecting the disconnected. But unfortunately, if we only connect the disconnected and there's nothing at the end of that mission, we're going to not do our job very well. You see, if we focus on connecting the disconnected, we have to have the other half. What are we connecting them to? Are we connecting them to our Sunday morning gathering? We've certainly done that over the years really well. Are we connecting them not to our Sunday morning gathering, but to our programs and our cool events? We've certainly done that over the years really well with our 5Ks and our big fundraisers for charity, all sorts of things we've done. We've connected people to great stuff. But what is the most important thing we are connecting people to? When I interviewed then at that time a couple of my questions asking about this mission of the church, what does it mean to connect the disconnected? The response was, well, the rest of the mission is we exist to connect the disconnected to a growing and reproducing relationship with Jesus. I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. How? There's kind of this pause in the room, and they're like, that's what we want you to help us figure out. It's like, okay, let's, let's figure this out together. 
And so that's what we have been doing for these last three years as we continue to go into the community, as we continue to connect people, we have been asking and diving into this question, how do people connect to Jesus? And not just to Jesus on Sunday mornings, but a growing and reproducing relationship. One that moves them from where they are to where God wants them to be. One that's not legalistic with a set of demands and requirements and a thing like you got to dress up right to come to church. No, that's not what we want to connect people to. We want them to connect with Jesus. To meet this man who was God, who lived not just as a good person, but as a perfect person who would give up everything for a sinner like me and even for one like you. We want to connect people to this Jesus whose love is far greater than just a Sunday morning experience or a great conversation at Bar Church. This Jesus who is the judge of the universe, the maker of everything, who loves you more than you can ever know. And we want people to be connected to him more than anything we do in this space or in our community. How? We often say here and we will continue to say for the next de- uh, 10 years or 100 years, I don't know, we can, we'll continue to say, come as you are. See, one of the things that disconnects people here in the South is this idea that Jesus expects something from you first. You have to act like us and then you can be belonged with us. You have to think like us and vote like us and be like us and then you can be a part of what we're doing here. Or Jesus loves you, but first, fix your mess. But that's not what we believe Jesus is all about. When we say come as you are, we mean all of your brokenness and your messiness and your questions and your confusion and even the things you're not willing to say are bad that everybody around you knows aren't good. Bring it all. There's no prerequisites, no expectations, nothing you need to do first. But part of that connecting to a growing and reproducing relationship is recognizing that you are more than enough to come as you are. But God is more than enough to help you become who you are. God is big enough to move you out of this place of mess and brokenness and sinfulness, of repeating patterns that only cause more hurt. He's big enough to move you from that place to something altogether new and better. This new series we're starting today is going to be focusing on this question, how do we grow in Christ? What does it mean to grow in a relationship with Jesus that's not in the super holier than thou, well, I did my due diligence of praying a certain number of times and reading certain things. No, how do we grow in a relationship that is meaningful and changes how we think and act and believe outside of just Sunday morning, but in everything we do. How do we grow? This title comes from a verse in Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter two, it it says this, I'll put it up on the screen. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 
See, the church's goal of connecting the disconnected begins with this, being rooted in Christ. Nothing we do as a church matters if we do it so the point grows larger. Nothing we do matters if we do it so other people think more of us. No, everything only matters when it stems from this place of being rooted in Christ. I'm not an expert gardener, but I know that as soon as you pull something out of the ground and remove the roots, it stops receiving the nutrients that it needs to thrive. If you plant something in the ground and the roots die, the plant will die too. If we want to grow in Christ, if we want to help people grow, we have to be rooted in him. With our foundation, our nutrient, our life, our source coming from him in everything that we do. Being rooted and built up in him. And I love this language before it's so walk in him. See, all throughout scripture, there's no place where there's this stagnant relationship with God described. Nowhere is it like, you know what, don't worry about it, God's got it, just leave it be and just see what happens. No, there's always this reality in scripture, God says, don't worry about coming to me, I'm going to come to you. But from there, let's go together. From that place that begins with God initiating the move, bringing you faith, bringing you here, connecting you with him, from that place, let's walk together. And walking and journeying with God always involves movement. So let me ask this question. Does your life look different because of Jesus? What about this? Does the way you treat others look different because of Jesus? Or the way you think about the person who disagrees with you? Does it look different because of Jesus? What about the way you think about yourself? Are you filled with a greater confidence? Or for some of us, a greater humility? Are you filled with the sense of peace that he's with you and for you always? Or are you overwhelmed with this anxiety that you aren't ever enough? See, if your life doesn't look different with Jesus, you're missing out on who Jesus really is. You are probably saved because that has nothing to do with you. It's all about what he has done for you. You're probably okay, but you're missing out on something so much better. I've had the joy of being married a little over seven years, almost seven and a half years, and I am thankful that my marriage looks nothing now like it did seven and a half years ago. In fact, if it still looked like it did seven and a half years ago, I guarantee you my wife would not be married to me. I'm tough to live with. I'm really hard to live with. And I guarantee that if I didn't grow in my role as husband, my wife wouldn't stick around. And likewise, if she didn't grow, well, I I probably can't marry any better, so I'd put up with it, but it would certainly not be a very fun marriage. Relationships are intended to be something that starts in one place and moves on a journey to something greater. Which is why when you've been married over 50 years, you can still discover new things about your spouse that you love. 
Which is why when you've been together for a super long time, you can still realize you didn't know something about their past or the way they were thinking because life never stops growing. But Christians, we often do. We often get really content to not grow. We think we have the basics covered. What more do we need? This isn't anything new at all. Uh, If we'll go to Hebrews chapter five, uh, this idea that Christians often don't move and grow with God has been around for thousands of years. Really, all of Christianity has had this idea, because I'm saved, nothing else matters, and I can just sit back, hands off, and do nothing. That's not true. Because you're saved, because of grace, because you're forgiven, everything changes. And because you're forgiven, nothing else matters. So we get to give ourselves to pursuing what really does. In Hebrews chapter five, Paul is, or the author of Hebrews, we don't know if it was Paul, it sounds like maybe it was, but the author of Hebrews is writing and he warns about uh, all kinds of apostasy and falling away. And he describes previously about the idea that we have this high priest See, in the Jewish custom, the high priest was the one considered most perfect, most holy, most righteous before God, and it was their job to go before the presence of God on behalf of the people so that the people could be forgiven. And he describes in the first part of this chapter that we have a high priest who empathizes with our pain. He knows our suffering. He's walked where we've walked. This high priest of Jesus, the one who goes before the throne of God on our behalf, this Jesus is the one we believe in. And he continues, chapter five, verse 11. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be the teacher's You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Pastor Matt mentioned my new little baby. Yesterday was a miracle and uh, terrifying at the same time. If you've ever had a baby or lived in the house of a newborn, you know this, there comes a day when that baby sleeps way longer than you think they should. And while you enjoy the sleep, there's that little bit of thing in your brain like, are they alive? Do I check on them and risk waking them? Or do I leave them and maybe they're dead? I don't know, what do I do? And yesterday, Ezra went to sleep at two o'clock in the afternoon Dinner came around, he's still sleeping. The kids went to bed, he's still sleeping. 8.30 came around, I'm like, what do we do? Nine o'clock came around, 10 o'clock came around. What do we do? He's still sleeping. So finally we go to go to bed and we go in there, Laura wakes him up and feeds him and he goes right back to sleep and slept until six this morning. And I think he's like five pounds heavier and four inches longer. <laughs> but I say this to say that Ezra needs that sleep because he's actively growing. As a little boy, you can see the growth much faster than you can in me. For him, the growth happens vertically. For me, it's mostly horizontally. But you can see his growth day by day. And it begins with milk. 
See, at this age, whether it's milk or formula, so, you know, a a substitute for milk, either one doesn't matter, but however it is, it's a liquid diet of the basics needed for him to become who he was made to be. Paul, or this author in Hebrews, he uses the same analogy. I want to tell you about so much more of who God is and what he's done and how he changes everything. I want to tell you more, but I can't. And I can't because you're on this diet of milk and not solid food. Now for this season of Ezra's life, he needs a lot of milk all the time. Like this kid eats nonstop. But there will come a day when as his dad, I get to introduce him to the finer things in life. Here son, have some steak. What a day that'll be. Here son, I'll show you how to cook the steak so I don't have to. What a day that will be. Right? Our palates, as we grow as people, our palates for physical food changes. And we begin to be able to digest things we couldn't digest before and enjoy more of this world than we could before. Likewise, in faith, we are to grow. And our growing changes what we can digest what we can receive, how we think and how we act and how we live, our growing changes everything. Yet for many of us, we're really content. I have Sunday morning, that's good enough. I do my due diligence, I show up once in a while and I serve, that's good enough. Imagine if I said to my wife, I love you so much, I'm gonna give you an undivided two minutes of attention a day. The rest of the day, Don't talk to me. I'll do my thing, you do your thing, but for two minutes, I'm all yours. Let's go. How strong would our relationship be? It wouldn't. But for many of us, that's how we treat God. I gave you an hour on Sunday. What more do you want from me? But I think God's asking a different question. How much more do you want from me? If you find yourself in this time overwhelmed with anxiety, maybe you need to seek the one who can give you peace. If you find yourself in this time struggling financially, maybe you need to seek the one who can show you how to make a lot out of very little. I mean, think of what he did with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish, right? What can he do with your finances when you surrender it to him? If you find yourself in this time angry about everybody else, Maybe you can seek the one who knows what real anger is and sets it aside to give grace and mercy and kindness and love. See, we as Christians should not be content with milk. We should want something more. And I want to say real quick before I finish that if you're in this place, you're like, well, is he just attacking me for being new in my faith? No, in no way. There's never, ever shame in saying, this is where I am right now. It doesn't matter if you've been a part of the church and faith for decades. If today is the first time you've ever said, I've never actually taken time to grow in my faith, then today's a perfect day to start. And maybe you've been growing in faith for 50 years, 70 years. You've been a part of this journey from the day you came out of the womb and you just can't wait to get more. There's still more for you out there. The author of this, he says, look, you need 
milk and not solid food. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Do you find God's word confusing? Maybe you just need more of God in your life to help it make sense. Do you find it difficult to do the right thing or even to know what the right thing is? Maybe you need more of him in your life to help you. There's one other verse I want to share with you from Romans chapter 12. One of my favorite verses in life comes from Romans 12, 10, but I'm not going to get there today. It's, it's all about outdoing others and showing honor. But this is what comes at the beginning of the chapter. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, talking about our journey in faith. It says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. See, we all have things in us that are not good and not godly and not healthy. And Jesus isn't waiting for you to fix it. He's actually inviting you to let him do that hard work inside of you. And over the course of this series, we're going to be diving into this reality that you and I, every one of us, in order to continue to connect the disconnected, we ourselves need to be growing. We need to be changing, not to be better, but to be more like Christ to be filled with more of him that in all circumstances, in every situation, even with potentially obnoxious neighbors who have loud chickens, in all places, we can love God and love others and connect those who've been told they're not good enough. This is our hope. Now, one thing I want to offer also, everything we do here is based on and centered in God's word, but sometimes there are other people smarter than us who've read God's word and offer some great advice. So some of this series, if you're somebody who loves to read, some of the series is actually based on a book that I read. Uh, this is the book, if you'll put it up there. It's called How People Grow, a book all about how do we find growth in scripture and connect with Jesus. And so some of the things I'm going to share over the next few weeks about how we grow with Jesus come from this book. And if you're a reader, pick it up and, and read it for yourself. It's kind of dense, at least for me. I'm kind of dense, which makes that sort of hard. But, but I, I'm really finding that this book is filled with lots of helpful things from Scripture about how do we grow to walk with God, to experience his love every single day in every moment, that in those times when we want to do the thing we know we shouldn't, we can see Jesus instead. In those times when we think things about us that we know he says something different, we can pause and hear his voice instead. I believe, church, that when you and I grow in Christ, we will connect the disconnected. When you and I grow in Christ, in this faith that transforms all of who we are, that renews our mind to think on things that are good and godly, that shapes us to know what is right and what is wrong and how to live for our neighbor. When you and I do this, I believe we'll be connecting the disconnected for the next decade and more. When you and I are growing, I believe whether this space ever fills up or not, lives will be changed around us 
Knoxville will be transformed around us. And I think the very same thing that led the point to kick off their first service 10 years ago is exactly what we need today to be singularly focused on connecting the disconnected to Jesus. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you would send your son into our world and our brokenness and our pain. And we thank you that you would give everything up that you could have us and also that we could have you. God, we pray that you would teach us to move beyond milk into more solid food, into a depth of faith and understanding where you matter all the time where we seek you for every big thing and even the little things, where we find your peace in a troubled world, your hope when all seems lost, your life when we're surrounded by death. God, I pray that we would grow in faith, that we can connect others to you, not to this building, not to this congregation, not to our programs or community things, but to you. May you be the God who leads and guides everything we do for the next 10 years and beyond. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're somebody who prefers cash or check and personal giving, we do have the popcorn buckets back there. And yes, we plan on keeping those for as long as we can, even though we're not in a movie theater. Uh, So we have the popcorn buckets in the back corner to give in person if you prefer or you can do it at thepointknox.com. And there's popcorn cookies. And there's popcorn cookies. I don't know if you saw it when you got coffee or you came in, but uh, big, I'm gonna give two people, who do, three people, who don't wanna hear it, a big shout. First off, Chrissy Stokes made all of these cookies. Uh, so the super cool design of it, yeah. Big thank you. Uh, feel free if you didn't grab one to grab some. Uh, they're both adorable and delicious. Uh, But then I also want to give another shout out to Sarah and Jody Dearmore. Uh, They have been coming every single week since we moved into the space to just clean the space. So every week, if you notice that the popcorn your kids spilled or the the mess that my kids made or the coffee you spilled, that it's gone, it's because of them. So thank you. Uh, I know you guys don't like public praise, but I appreciate you a lot. And please, uh, eat some of those cookies. If you signed up in advance for those party in a bag, bags? Yeah, the party in a bag bags. If you signed up in advance and you want one, the ones that signed up are over here set aside. You can take those home and have a little birthday party celebration at home. And if you didn't sign up but you would like one, we do have a few extra over on this side. First come, first serve. And if they disappear and you would like one, we can try and get you one next week. How's that sound? And for those of you on live stream, if you are in the Knoxville area, we can deliver one to you if you're not comfortable gathering in person. So with that said, we have questions and responses. The time where I try to answer or address some of the questions you have. Yeah, we have have a handful of kind of all over the spectrum today. So the first one is there has been a lot of controversy over pro athletes and others taking a knee during the national anthem. The opponents of this behavior say that those taking a knee are being disrespectful, I've heard some of the more outspoken referring to the flag as sacred, but the use of this term to describe the flag bothers me. It sounds like worshiping a false idol. What do you think about this? Wow, way to start off with the easy one. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) Uh, Here's what I think. I think that we have people on both sides of the issue who have good hearts. 
I think we have people who see kneeling as disrespectful who are good people who love Jesus and love this country. I also see people who are kneeling who love Jesus and love this country and they're good people and they see this country as broken and hurting and they want to do something about it. And so I think our Christian response, before we decide are they right, are they wrong, is kneeling or showing honor to the flag good or bad, before we get into any of that, we should just stop and try to listen. Why do they feel the way they feel on either side? Why are they driven to do the things they're doing? And then out of that to the question of like, should we show allegiance or should we not? Um, The church for 2,000 years has wrestled with what is the responsibility of the church to the state and how do we show uh, respect and how do we submit to and how do we honor the government even if the government may or may not be honoring Jesus. And so um, should we give allegiance to the country I don't know that allegiance to anything other than Jesus is really where we should be. Can we show honor and respect and appreciation for the country that God has given to us? Yeah, I think that's healthy. Awesome. Um, One person on live stream uh, says, curious, why there's a drum set where there could be an altar? That's a great question uh, because we're still working on moving into this space. Uh, An altar requires us to do a little bit of construction, uh, both of a little insert so that it's even and flat and uh, a few other things like building an altar. So there are things we're going to change in this space. We had hoped to have this day, our 20th 10th birthday, be this big, grand, extravagant thing. Uh, But, you know, COVID has made things a little slower than planned. So we actually will be putting an altar right here and a cross right there in the future because those are things we want to be focused on. Amen. And also, there will still be drums. There will still be drums. Yeah. Um, uh, If a stagnant relationship with Christ isn't found in Scripture, why does it seem that so many Christians pride themselves on reaching that point, quote-unquote, in their faith and not seeking to continue to grow? I think we have an American Christianity that's really confused. Uh, And this isn't a new thing. This has been the case for a long time uh, where our Western world thinks faith is all about me and faith is all about what I get from it. And there's a truth to that in that we get forgiveness and grace and all kinds of love. And there's also an uncomfortable lie that's hidden in that that says, once I feel content, that's good enough. Look, this isn't a question of salvation. This isn't a question of whether or not your faith is strong enough to to be with Jesus when he returns or not. No, this is a question of here's the God of the universe who's invited you to know everything about him. We never will, but we often get content and complacent. So in the same way that I hope every time I get really complacent in my marriage, uh, somebody, one of you maybe, will call me out and be like, your wife is better than this. You should give her more of yourself. My hope is that the same happens in faith. If you see me being like, yeah, Jesus, I've got enough of him. I don't need any more of him. Don't be content with that. Don't let me be content with that and challenge me on that. Okay, only a couple more. One, uh, someone just wanted to say that they think this sermon series is perfect. Uh, A lot of times you can serve milk for so long that when something of substance is offered, it's almost not not acceptable anymore. So, thanks. yay. I'm excited and I'm also really nervous because uh, there's no simple like how to fix it, now your life is perfect. Um, But there is the simple answer of Jesus is always available and always enough 
So we're going to be collectively pursuing that over the series. All right, I got a doozy and I got a simple one. Do you want to end on the doozy or the simple one? Let's end on the simple one. Okay, so doozy. Uh, a lot of Christians keep saying you can't vote for a Democrat and be a Christian. Why do people create ultimatums like that? <laughs> um, I told you. Thank you. You guys are great. Uh, <laughs> People create ultimatums oftentimes because they have a set of beliefs in their head that are hard to shake. And those ultimatums often stem from a really good place of, I believe these things are so good and so true that I have to fight for them and champion them with everything in me. The danger in ultimatums, similar to the danger in allegiance, is we can get so caught up in the things we believe that are probably true that we lose sight on what is the other person saying, whether they're Democrat or Republican. In our ultimatums and our beliefs, we lose sight on the ability to stop and listen. So I'm gonna say this once, and then you'll hear me say it a whole bunch between now and November. Whether you vote Democrat or Republican or Libertarian or Green Party or whoever you vote for has nothing to do with Jesus. Because you can be a Christian and do anything and vote for anybody. Because being a Christian is about what Jesus has done for you. Now we are going to, after this series, we're going to talk about in what way does faith shape and form our politics. And I promise you, if you come in with an understanding that your party is the right one, you're really going to hate that series. Because I hope that the judge of the universe doesn't think like me. Because we would all be screwed if he did. <laughs> So, ultimatums are usually a place of um, being so convinced of a belief that it's difficult to listen. And that's never a healthy thing. My ultimatum, it's never healthy. <laughs> you did so well with that question. I think you're going to really, you're just going to slam dunk this, this simple one. Okay. Are we going to have another midweek communion experience? <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yes we will. Yes. Uh, so we intentionally decided to move communion from our Sunday morning gatherings to a Wednesday night gathering because that allows us to space out a little bit more, but also it allows us to take that time to be more reflective and to really pause and stop and receive something more than we sometimes receive when we just come quickly on Sunday morning. And so the first, sun, first Wednesday of every month between now and November, uh, we're going to do communion that first Wednesday at 6.30 here in this space. It'll last about 45 minutes. Um, the one we did last month was really, really fun. Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect, and it was awesome. So join us that first Wednesday at 6.30 in here. We'll take communion together. It'll be a really cool thing, and we can do it more spaced out with precautions to keep everybody healthy. Uh, and the reason we're going through November is because, you know, Advent starts in December, and we'll probably have Advent stuff on Wednesday nights. So with that, if you have questions that were not uh, asked. About sacred. What about sacred? Using the word sacred, that was kind of a tag on the end of that first question. Oh, like what about making something sacred? What about using that word? Oh. I think we should definitely be careful. What is sacred? Yeah. That's okay. There's another question. You don't have to text them in. You can ask in person. It was in, the, I forgot it was in there and I missed it. What is sacred? Sacred means holy, reverent, uh, something to be honored. Um, so there's a lot of things that can be sacred that aren't necessarily Jesus. But we should be really cautious on anything we hold sacred. Is it pointing us closer to Jesus and helping us connect others? Or is that thing we hold sacred pulling us away from him. Like, 
college football. I mean, in some cities, it's kind of sacred. And in, in the city I hail from, or at least the state I hail from, we don't get college football this year because we're part of the Big Ten, and that's really sad. Um, but it's not the sacred in the sense that I will miss out on life because I don't have it. Um, yeah, so. Normally at this point, we end our service with the benediction, uh, which comes from the book of Numbers. But today we thought it'd be fun to end with this song that is singing these words of the benediction as well, or instead. So I want you guys, you're free to stick around and hear this blessing for you, to receive it for yourself. You're also free to get up and leave, to get some cookies, put your offering in the bucket, um, to talk to people outside where you can spread out more. Uh, I'll leave it up to you, but I'll leave you with this. You are loved, and I'm glad you're here. See you guys later. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.